My name is Arnold Fanshawe. This is a letter written to my daughter, Ermintrude, from Port Mercia, where I am governor. The date is March the 2nd, 1861, and this letter will summon her to Port Mercia from England. We haven't seen each other for a very long time. To my dearest, most beloved daughter, if you had my last two letters, reporting the pig stampede and the story about the ancient cemetery, and by the way, if indeed you have written every week, I believe I am missing no more than three of yours, which of course could turn up literally out of the blue at any time. I am secretly rather addicted to the suspense. You will know that the red carpet is not red, nor is it in any way the sort of carpet you would recognise. But my point is that it is almost ready for you an almost red e-carpet. <laughs> the islanders are beginning to come to terms with my wordplay. I think you'll be quite tickled. Anyway, by the time you get here, there will have been prepared an extraordinary welcome for you. I do believe there is not a single person on this island, infants aside, who does not know of your existence. And indeed, I am quite moved by the interest many of them appear to take in you, what you wear, what you look like, your general countenance, I am told by one old woman who communicates all this through bodily actions, so I may misinterpret, that if you have good teeth, you will find yourself a wonderful husband. Dearest, if you don't mind, I think we'll wait a little before we start looking. One woman is obsessed with whether you laugh or not. Do you laugh? This question was one to which I did not have the answer, and it overwhelmed me for a time, with a feeling of terrible sadness. As I write, I am so excited to impart the news of how eagerly awaited is your arrival, and that you should hasten to embark on the next available ship, of which more later, that such sadness is stowed away in a box with a lock on it. The words tumble out of me today, and each thought jostles for position because I have such joy, and yet I am aware that it will be a while before you reach me. My mother and Cox should by now have all the details, and I am extremely gratified that, all being well, a certain Captain Roberts will bring you here, a man of great integrity and devotion to his duties. He is vastly experienced, and with Cox there to look after you, you will be as safe as can be. I've asked mother to pass on to him that you be allowed to stand on deck on certain calm nights so that you may watch the stars. You will hardly believe what you see, the world turned upside down. Bring the charts you made from Duffers Hill. You will be surprised by the comparison. And do I need to remind you to bring your telescope? I can hear you telling me to stop nagging you. And in this, I am reminded that when you were six years of age, you hadn't learned the meaning of the word tolerate. And when your mother or I nagged you, you used to put your hands on your hips. Your face would go a charming shade of pink. And you would say, oh, I do wish you wouldn't tolerate me so. I'm sorry to admit to you now that this used to leave your mother and I quite helpless with laughter. I hope you'll forgive me. Well, now, the sad box supposedly stowed away lies in front of me, lock undone, with the lid wide open. There is so much for you to forgive, my darling daughter, my bean, and I do so pray that you will one day understand my behaviour and actions of the last two years or so. 
A father should always endeavour to protect his young child from the experience of pain. But in my attempt to be a buffer between you and the terrible anguish caused by the passing of your mother and little Harry, I finished up blinded by it all. I can honestly say, Ermintrude, darling, that I lost myself. I owe you and mother an awful lot, and one day soon I shall be able to explain to you at least just what it was that made me run away. Can we think of it differently for the time being? That I have set up a new adventure for us. In order to appreciate what one has at home, one has to step away, and that is what we shall be doing. Besides, there is good work to be done here, and I can reveal to you, rather immodestly, that the school is the project of which I am most proud. We shall have two buildings by the end of this month, and all children above the age of six years will attend. Some do not know their age, and some lie, or rather are economical with the truth, because they are keen to be involved. I would much rather it were this way round, though. They will be taught English, a certain basic numeracy, and the Reverend John Bounty, I think he invented the name, don't you? Already keeps the children wrapped with Bible stories, though some of their luster is lost in translation. Some children do not show enough amazement at Jesus' walking on the water, claiming that they see their fathers doing it most days of the week. Bounty gets rather irate. I am not keen, as you know, on blind religious zeal. And while I wish to keep the peace and allow the missionaries to do their work, I have a battle on my hands, attempting to encourage my British colleagues to respect the exciting traditions and beliefs of the islanders here. We are simply guests in this part of the world, and if we can share our knowledge and partake of theirs, so much the better for all of us. Cricket continues to present quite a challenge. There appears to be nowhere that might provide us with a decent pitch, but we do our best in small spaces to chuck a ball about, and one or two of our islander friends are natural left-handed batsmen. The women are extremely quite keen to join in too. We shall have to get digging and start work in earnest on a bare-bones pitch. I have asked Mother to make sure we have some more equipment. Bats, balls and pads are always welcome because strong and brave as the men here are, they really do not appreciate the hard leather on shinbone. Funny, they perform the most extraordinary feats of daring do in their everyday lives and yet they don't like it happen in a game. I do not want you to think that it is only games materials that we need. Books, books, books. Oh, and medical supplies, seedlings of all types. We must experiment with climate and soil. Clothes, fabrics. You are going to have so much fun here, my dearest. I thank my Matilda every day that she gave me a daughter who has such enthusiasm for life and spirit of adventure. Who could there possibly be in the world whom I would rather have on my arm when going about my daily duties. There may be one or two tasks I shall spare you for reasons concerning local etiquette, but I have no doubt that we shall have one or two friendly quarrels over the matter. One last pressing thought, dearest, before I attempt sleep. Oh, how hard it is to sign off to you. A girl of your age should never have had to witness her father lose his relationship with God. But that debate, I hope, serves to enrich my relationship with you. Mother has found my ambivalence hard to comprehend. I earnestly wish to help her understand one day. Since you are wise to my doubts, ambivalence is not the correct term, I do not mind adding that this all makes my work here more complicated, in particular with the missionaries. I have never wanted to pass on my scepticism to my daughter. I desire with all my heart that you continue to believe what you need to believe, so long as you think the matter through. 
I do bang on about proof. Ultimately, however, in religion there is no proof of anything, in my view. But we are poor devils, almost Neanderthals, if we are not prepared to believe a little of the mystery. The Bible is full of mystery and is a thoroughly good read. I hope you will always have a copy with you, and your relationship with God must be what it is, no matter what our man Mr. Darwin says, so long as you keep a questioning open mind. As you know, I am intrigued by the fact that so much mapping of the stars and planets has to be done by calculation and not observation, naturally so, as we do not have the technology to see as far as we might. But it is a fine example of how far we are prepared to go merely on instinct and as a result of what starts off as curiosity. The discovery of Neptune is a perfect epitome of this. Astronomers believe that this beautiful planet must be there because a perturbation was occurring in Uranus's orbit. Something was pulling it slightly off course, but they couldn't see it. We know its position merely by calculation. Well, my little bean, while you are on the other side of the world, somewhere between mystery and reality, you are my perturbation, keeping me not quite in my natural orbit. Jump on board, set sail, and join the adventure. You are the brightest star in my firmament, and time will walk on crutches until your light shines on this island. Your most loving father sends you many kisses. Arnold of Port Mercia. Isn't that marvellous? A small postscript. Please do pass on my kindest regards to Cox. I am missing my old friend and very much looking forward to being reunited with him too. I sincerely hope that young Benjamin is getting on well. He is presumably, among other talents, becoming rather a fine horseman. Dear me, what a rambling letter. Get here quickly before my mind turns into a breadfruit. <laughs>